The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at City Rev. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I want to let you know that uh, glad that you're here on this particular Sunday. Uh, We mentioned it earlier in our service, but today's going to be a little bit different than a typical Sunday message. But I think this is going to be an impactful time for each of us, whether you're here in the room or watching online. Uh, Like we shared earlier that uh, next week is the launch of our Cooper City campus on August 15th. That's going to be exciting, a really important step in the life of our church. So we're pumped about that. And uh, one thing before we jump into the message that I want to make sure everybody has is if you don't yet have the City Rev Church app, Go ahead and go on your phone right now and download that app. It's going to be very important for a little while from now in our service. Uh, You're going to want to have that. So go on your app store, look up City Rev Church, get the app, and that'll be a helpful tool for us in a few moments uh, where we'll reference it and go uh, through with that. But while you're doing that, I also want to invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 4. It's a letter in the New Testament of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, so you can make your way over there. And I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then we're going to begin our time of Bible study together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, we again come to you, Lord, and we just ask that you would speak. In fact, right there quietly in your heart, would you just ask God, would would you say, God, speak to me today? Would you from your heart just ask your Father in heaven, teach me something new of who you are. I surrender to you. We receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to introduce a name to you that you probably don't know. Maybe a few do. His name is Ryan Krauser. I think I pronounced that right. Ryan Krauser. A few days ago, he set the Olympic record for the longest shot put. And it was, I believe, 23.3 meters or a little over 70 feet. And the way shot put works in track and field, I'm not a track and field expert, never did track, but I've watched it on TV before. And so the way shot put works is there's a circle and your job is you start kind of at the back of the circle and you have to launch this 16 pound ball as far as humanly possible. So it's a pretty simple task, like humans have probably been doing something like this for a long time, throwing things far. But the technicality of it is that the ball has to remain above your shoulder the entire time. And the the style of throwing, you kind of just launch it. But the way that they do it, these guys and ladies who have been trained and know the technique of shot put, there's this whole like progression. It's almost like a pirouette ballet that they do. So the way it starts is they have the the ball under their, you know, under their chin, right? And then they kind of do this like sway, like a waltz, you know, like they sway a little bit. They get their body momentum flowing in one direction. And then they do a pirouette, okay? So they, they, they sway like this and they do a pirouette and then they don't fall off the stage and they, they throw the ball as far as they possibly can, right? It's like this whole dance that they do. And the reason they do that is they're trying to get every single muscle in their body engaged and pointing towards and pushing towards getting as much strength and force behind that ball as possible. So you could have someone who's very large and very strong, who's never done shot put before, who doesn't know the technique, who just tries to, by sheer strength, throw the ball as far as they can. 
And you can have someone of very normal stature, not all that big, but because they know how to torque their body and they know how to engage every part of their body with the technique towards that simple task, they will outdo the strong person every time. There's so much in that image, that idea of every part of your body, every muscle, your core, your legs, your momentum swinging, your hips, all pushing in that direction. I want you to have that image in mind when we read Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. Have that picture in mind. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. Ephesians 4 verse 15, he says this, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a group of Christians living in Ephesus, and he's building upon something he introduced earlier in the letter. So if you read through this letter, it's six chapters long, you'll find that in chapter 1, he introduces this metaphor for the church. And he describes what it means to be a follower of Jesus, uh, and by church, I don't just mean like a particular church, I mean uh, Christians of all times and in all places. So the people of Jesus that are scattered all throughout the world make up the church, and he uses this metaphor of a body. He describes the church as the body of Christ. And here in verses 15 and 16, he's pointing to how a body has different joints. It has different parts of it that all function together and are united together. And when each part of the body is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it's built up in love. Now, this metaphor of the body of Christ for the church, it's something that Paul likely drew from, from an encounter he himself had with Jesus. When Paul was formerly, before he even had a relationship with Jesus Christ, before he was a Christian, Paul was a very zealous and committed Jew. And he so vehemently opposed those who followed Jesus that he made it his life's mission and goal to persecute, imprison, and jail up any families who said that they followed Jesus as Messiah. And so Paul, with this passion, was all about imprisoning and persecuting Christians. And he's on his way to a new city to go hunt down more Christians. And while he's on his way, he encounters the risen Jesus. Jesus appears to him in a vision and literally Paul is stopped in his tracks. He's blinded by the glory of the presence of God in his midst. And Jesus' words to Paul were this. He said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Now, as far as we can tell, Paul never interacted with Jesus during his time and ministry on earth. We don't read of any encounter that Paul has with Jesus before his death and resurrection. And so why would then Jesus, this is, now Jesus is risen, he's ascended into heaven, appearing to Paul in a vision. Why would Jesus make the statement, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul has been persecuting Christians, right? Those who have 
followed after Jesus, but he hasn't directly persecuted Jesus. But here's the thing for Jesus. Jesus so identifies and so connects himself to his followers that for someone to persecute his followers is the same thing as persecuting him. So what does it mean that when Paul says we are the body of Christ, this means that we as believers in Jesus, if you've received Jesus as your savior, you are a part of this body that is the physical presence of Jesus of the a physical presence of Jesus on earth right now. The risen Jesus who's ascended at the right hand of God, we as the body of Christ are the physical embodiment of the presence of Jesus all over the world. And so he says, and uses this metaphor, he says we're the body of Christ. When each member, when each part is working together, offering their unique contribution, we are built up in love. The defining characteristic of the body of Christ of the church is love, he says. We're built up in love. That when people observe the church, the thing they should observe that stands out is this idea of love. Now the question that we're going to ask and hopefully answer over the next few moments is how do we attain this? How do we embody this calling to be built up in love, practically speaking? Like that shot put analogy that we just shared. What does it look like for every single body part that is a part of this local body of believers? What does it look like for those who are gifted with leg type contribution and those who are gifted with core type and arm type? What does it look like for each of us to offer our unique contribution so that we can build up the body of Christ here in our city? And we can build it up in the love. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. We're going to back up in the letter a little bit and see how this progresses. And he's going to give us some practical ways how this takes place. How do we build up the body of Christ in love? Number, uh, verse number 11, here's what he says. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So in verse 11, he begins by giving us this list. I, we read it. So he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. It's this list that describes the people who make up the leadership of the church. Those who are called you know, to be set apart and lead the, church, lead the local churches that make up the larger capital C body of Christ. And so these prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, they have a job description. Just like you probably have a job description when you got hired. Well, here is the job description for a pastor. A pastor's job description is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, that word saints, depending on your religious background, your tradition that you come from, is used in different ways and in different contexts. Whenever we come across the word saints in the New Testament... On every occasion that we come across the word saint in the New Testament, it's a word that's used to describe all believers. In other words, it's not a word that's reserved for the super Christians or the really, really spiritual people or the people that God has used in a really, really powerful way. That's not the way we see it used in the Bible. This verse would be quite depressing if it was 
Pastors' jobs are to equip this very elite few group of Christians called saints, right? No, the way that this word is used, it's democratized. Every follower of Jesus is called a saint. What this then means is that if you're someone who's like, life is falling apart, like overwhelmed with an addiction, life is like full of self-destruction, and you meet Jesus... And you put your faith in him. In that instant, you go from sinner to saint. You're made brand new. This is the gospel. It's not up to you to get your life figured out and get it together. Clean yourself up and then come to God. It's come as you are. Come to be forgiven and made new. Receive the grace of Jesus and watch him transform and change your life. And so the pastor's job then is to equip everyday believers... Every follower of Jesus to do the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So here's what this means. I, I like to use sports, sports metaphors to help explain this. I want you to envision you're at Dolphin Stadium or uh, Hard Rock Stadium, I should, I should say. And you're watching a game and, and it's football, NFL season coming up. And so you're there, you're in the crowds, cheering, whatever. And on the field, there are people that are paid professionally to do those specific tasks. So you've got a quarterback and you've got running backs and wide receivers and then you have people on defense who are trying to stop the offense, linebackers, cornerbacks, etc. And those people who are there on the field, they're on the field of battle giving their unique contribution, right? Each position has a different task that's before them and a different set of skills that they bring to the field. Well, in, in the context of church, sometimes we get mixed up and we have this view that it's the pastors and the leaders, the really spiritual people, they're the ones who are kind of on the field and we're there to help support them and enable them to kind of do the work on the field, you know, and do what they're called to do. And we just kind of cheer them on, help encourage them and let them do that work. But that's not what Ephesians chapter 4, 11 teaches about the nature of the church. It says it's the pastor's job to be the coach that equips every believer to go out onto their field and use the unique gifting that God has given them and their unique position that God has given them to do the work of ministry in their sphere. And so it's the role of the leadership of the church to equip every believer in Jesus to go out into their sphere, in their family, wherever they are in the city, and to leverage those spheres for the advancement of the gospel, to bring to bear the good news of Jesus in that area, or to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so here's what I want to do. I want to share with you in, mo in a moment a story of, a, of, of some families and some people in our church that embody this so well and have taken a step to just go beyond uh, kind of like this cheering on and a, a positive, hey, I'll support those who are doing the ministry, but people who have said, listen, I am called to be a part of this family. God has called me to use my gifts on the field. And I want to show, share with you a, a video that carries some stories with it of people who have stepped up and said, hey, I want to do the works of ministry. And so check this video out. 
Life as a student in the Fuge was always fun. There was always something goofy or crazy going on. So there was always a fun game going on and tribe time was always fun. They really like were attentive and welcoming to me too. So they served me really well in that way of like um, asking me prayer requests, checking in on me throughout the week, just doing small things to make me feel like, okay, we care about you. Serving in kids has uh, impacted my role as a dad because um, I see how important family is. So when I see those kids with their moms and dads walking in through, I, as a father, I know how important it is to impart that knowledge uh, to the kids, you know, and it's something that I really find important and um, I share my faith with Ayana and we talk about God and the Bible. So seeing other parents come in, I take that responsibility that God's given me seriously as I'm talking to their kids, just like I would talk to my own. It impacted our family as a whole, serving together, um, because we have this in common, you know? We can go home and talk about what happened today, and we know the same volunteers that are with us, and we can say, oh, so-and-so said this, or so-and-so did that. Um, so we have something that we can share. It gives us something uh, be proud of together, really, that we're doing something for God together. What are you waiting for? Um, there are opportunities that are opening up that I think uh, just about anyone and everyone, if you're so inclined to just gravitate towards. One, you, you get to meet people. Two, you get to feel that pleasantry in knowing that you're doing something I forgot. It's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful feeling. I remember Pastor Robbie, like, I don't know, two years ago maybe, saying, okay, we need men in kids' ministry. We have a bunch of ladies, but we don't have men. And I was praying about it, and I said, okay, I, like, I have experience. I, I used to teach in Brazil, so I can help. Even though my English, like, maybe the kids won't understand me. The best part uh, for me is to have the opportunity to serve each other and to spread the gospel this way. You know, to, it's all about Christ and it's all about Christ's love. So I think we have the practical way to, do, to make it happen. You know, when you serve to each other, when we love, you spread the love through serving, I think this is the best part for me. I love in that video, we captured the first story of a young woman in our church who started coming to our church when she was in high school, and she's describing the impact that her leaders in high school ministry had on her life and on her faith that's continuing through this day. I love hearing a family share their experience together, serving in our kids' ministry, investing in the faith of the next generation, and just hearing different people share how they, maybe they thought, you know what, I don't know what I'll do, I don't know how I can contribute, but they found a way to say, you know what, I'm going to take what, what I have, the treasure, the time, the talents I have, and I'm going to use it to make a contribution to build up the body of Christ. Look at how Paul continues in verse 13. After verse 12, he, he says this in verse 13. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
So here in these few verses, he continues building on this body metaphor. And he builds up on it by describing this maturing process. So just like children mature into grown adulthood, this is the image he's using now in terms of the body of Christ growing up, being matured to full manhood, to the, measure, the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Uh, here, the way that it describes maturity is twofold. It describes what maturity looks like in terms of unity, it means that we have this contribution from our lives that's flowing, that we are breathing unity into the body of Christ. That because of my presence in the context of the church, there's a deeper connectedness. There's less divisiveness because I'm emptying myself and selflessly serving the people around me and receiving the selfless service of the people around me. I'm bringing unity. And then it says it's increasingly becoming like Jesus becoming, receiving the fullness of Christ in our lives. And so this picture here, it makes me think of my, my son Hudson, who's in the stage of life right now, who, you know, there's that, that season in a kid's life where you can pretty much convince them anything and they'll think it's true. Uh, like you can pull a fast one on them so easily. Uh, recently, my uncle, he'll give my, my, myself or my wife a call and, and say, hey, put Hudson on the phone. And he'll say, hey, Hudson, it's Batman, you know? And my son is like, Daddy, Batman's on the phone. And he doesn't even know who Batman is. He never seen a, he never seen a Batman movie or what he sounds like, but he's convinced, right? And then, you know, my uncle's like, all right, let me go see if I can find Hulk. And then, you know, Hulk's mad. And my son's like tripped out, like, whoa, this is amazing. Like, it's so easy with children, right, to just pull a fast one over them. And here in... Ephesians 4, he's saying we need to be built up into maturity so that we don't become like children being tossed back and forth when every wave or wind of doctrine comes, a new philosophy, a new teaching, a new theory pops up in culture that sweeps through. Paul is saying we need to be so connected to Christ that when something like that comes our way, we spot it, say that's not in step with the gospel, and we don't get smacked around by it. And there are some of us Especially, I would say, Christians over the past few years, we've become so disconnected. We've become disembodied body parts of the body, body of Christ. And when we become disconnected from relationship with other believers, here's what happens. We start to delegate the influence of our lives and the influence that shapes our thinking and beliefs to the world and culture around us. When we don't have actual humans in the body of Christ to say, hey, here's what's happening in our world. Here's what I'm seeing in scripture. Well, what do you think? And two, three, four Holy Spirit filled, scripture studying, Jesus loving people sitting together, talking things through is better every time instead of a YouTube rabbit hole or a Facebook liking where this algorithm just feeds you more and more content and getting you more and more down this rabbit hole and this wind and wave, this craftiness and deceitful schemes that he warns against just completely smacks us around. And there are many of us, like children, we've been thrown and tossed by the crafty, deceitful schemes of the enemy and the crafty, deceitful schemes of the culture around us. Why? Because we have not embedded ourselves into the body. 
where we don't have the relationship with the kind of people in our lives. We need people in our, our lives that, are say, that say to us, bro, you've been watching too much of that channel. We need people in our lives that are saying to us, hey, pause, you know, let's look to what God's word actually says because you're starting to go down this trail and I, I see it doesn't line up with what scripture's teaching. We need that, and this is the calling upon our lives. And one of the primary ways this takes place in the context of our church is through the small group environment. We need relationships within the body of Christ, and one of the best places to build that network of relationships, to build that family, where a larger gathering becomes small, where we can be known and prayed for, is in our small groups. I want to share with you a story, a few stories from some of our small groups, so check this out. Small group has been a, a blessing. Um, it's, we, we, we've had some challenges um, this past year, right before uh, the pandemic hit. Um, we, we, we had our, our family situation come up and these relationships that we developed in community group um, have become so crucial for us where it gave us a sense of, of that they knew what we were going through. They gave us words of encouragement. Um, they prayed for us. And that just being there for us when we needed to, when we needed help, if we needed to go to an appointment, and we needed somebody to take care of the kids or something, they were there for me and there for us. All groups is my lifeline. I can't tell you how much I get. I get on that line. I was like, I'm on the phone with my brothers. We share so many deep things about our lives, and sometimes we don't have an answer for it. We pray about it, but just to get it off our chest and just to, and their brothers that are actually going through the same thing you're going through or have already been there already. It's just the community that they give you, you can't find it anywhere else. It just created a space uh, to, to build on relationships. So it, it wasn't only a space just to share the word and learn about the word, but, but to really plug in into other people's lives and let other people plug in into your life. Not just uh, me as a man, but for my wife, my daughters. I think the beauty of the group is that we have the opportunity when someone has a specific need to get around this person and provide uh, with tangible things. The group is the extension of the, the church. Sometimes you meet people in the church that you cannot talk. They're always rushing and going back and forth for some reason. They, they need to leave because they work or something like that. And you cannot talk to them properly. You cannot meet them properly. But in the group, you have the time to, to meet each other and to, and to, to be uh, completely to this person and to serve each other and you know what sometimes we are so afraid to meet people but you're losing the best part of the life the the, the legacy that Jesus gave us you know Jesus gave us this legacy stand for each other and we can do it perfectly in the the best way when you you are in a small group that we can you can know each other deeply you know and uh, and be part of a, a family of God in a different way. So here's what I want to invite you to do. If you grab your phone out and go ahead and open up the City Rev app, the City Rev Church app, I want to introduce you uh, to this if you're not familiar with it. Even if you are familiar with it, check out the City Rev app. And then here are two, two links that are important that are towards the very front of the homepage, right when you open up the app. The first one is called Join a Group. 
That's uh, for those of you who you haven't yet joined a group and you would like to, maybe this fall you're making it your goal, hey, this at the start of the school year, I want to be a part of a group. Uh, just like you heard from some of these families, the way it's impacted their lives. You can click on that. There's groups for different stages and seasons of life, groups that meet on different days. Some still meet on Zoom, some meet in person, but would love for you to click on that and, and inquire about a group that works for you and your family. The other link that's there is to join a serving team. That's one of the ways that you can offer your contribution and play your part. Every part of the body working together properly can make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Click on that. Uh, join a serving team and there's a, a, a button you can press that says, hey, I'd like to sign up to serve. And there's different options, different opportunities that uh, require different gifts and different talents and passions and love for you to consider one of those two. And even if you're someone that's like, listen, I'm already a part of a group. I'm, I serve in this way. I would love for you to be proficient in this app. I'd love for you to know how this works. Here's why. Because inevitably you're going to come across and meet someone who's newer to our church and wants to get connected, wants to be, belong and be part of the church and experience what you've experienced in being connected to this family. This app is a simple, excellent tool for you to be able to engage with them and say, hey, just download the app. I'll, I'll show you how on the CityRev app you can sign up to serve or join a group. So here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to give you a few moments to poke around on the app sign up for a group or look at the, the serving form and click on any of those links that you'd like. We're going to give you a few moments to do that now. We'll bump some music. And so we're going to give you a few moments to just check out the app for a minute. Take about another 15 seconds. Let's wrap up this section of Ephesians chapter 4 right where we started. Um, if you haven't finished, feel free at the end of our service today. Um, fill out whatever you need to fill out. Check out the app. But look at what this verse 15 says again. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I want you to just observe the sequence with me. Jesus gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. He gave the leadership of the church with a job description. He gave the leadership of the church for the equipping of every believer to do the work of ministry, to be the coach that at practice in our gatherings is equipping all believers to go out and to do the works of ministry. 
And this work of ministry we do is so that we might be built up into maturity in Christ. So that we might be to the fullness of the stature, the measure of Christ. That we might become more and more like Jesus. That we'd be built up in love and attain to the unity of the faith. This is the image that's given. All of us, one body made up of different types of parts contributing to this very simple task of seeing the kingdom of Jesus, the message of Jesus advance in our world. And so with this picture in mind, this calling that's on us as a church for every single person, I want to show you another story of uh, someone in our church who embodied so well this principle that's taught here in Ephesians 4 of speaking the truth in love, of sharing the truth and love. And so I want you to check out this story of the type of impact that can be made when each part of the body starts working together. Check this out. I came in and our current manager, he told me, oh, go on aisle number 13. There's a guy named uh, Dario. Just meet with him and, and you guys will work everything out. I'm like, okay. So I, I go on aisle number 13 and I'm like, okay, hey, what's up? You know, what's your name? We introduce each other. And then going from aisle number 13 to number one, we have this whole like cleanup process thing and we just went through the aisles just talking. It was like, it was so like natural. Like, man, I know, I've been, I feel like I've known this guy for like forever. Yeah. And it was cool. We started a bond off there and ever since just, you know, growing our, our relationship as friends. I strayed away from my church a long time ago and I was dealing with a lot of problems with my family and with, with me as well. Um, and from that point on, we just started talking about God. Like, it got deeper and deeper. And every day we had this conversation about Christ. Even called me one day in the middle of the night, it's like, let's pray. And we prayed. To that point, it made me think that I really need to find Jesus. I really need to get back into the ministry. It led me to City Rev. Coming back to Christ, knowing that what I know now and knowing what I've seen in my life prior to that led me to the decision to give my life to Christ. Not only saying yes, God, but dedicating my life to Him by baptizing myself. Knowing to baptize myself and understanding the reason why I'm baptizing myself. I'm getting, getting baptized. I did it on a day that I knew that was especially to me, which is my birthday. I wanted to give my life to Christ that day because he, that's the day I was born. I didn't want no party. I didn't want nothing. I just wanted to give everything to him. I can't not ask for anything else or in my life but what I have now, and that gift is Christ. But he used someone in the path of that. And, 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 and me going through work every day, the hustle and bustle, to show me like Jesus, God is still there. He's waving his hand like, hey, I'm still your father. I'm still your king. I need you to come back home. Obviously in a loving way and whatever, wherever the conversation leads, if they ask me or I ask um, them like where, where they're at in life, I'll just add like, hey, like, do you go to church? Um, they say yes, they say no. Like, well, um, I, I go to City Rev, um, and we have services on Sunday. Um, if, if you're interested, you're more than welcome to come. I kind of just like leave it on the floor, and whatever, whatever what, however they want to take it, I, I just go with it, but it's, it's just by a simple invitation. Let us go out and let's just 
just go out and just take the city by storm. Because when it's all said and done, and when the, and the book is closed, we all want to be part of that number. Friends, family, people we don't know. And like I said, I'm, this church, I may have a family, a bloodline family, but it's nothing like this family, the bloodline of Christ. And it's just awesome. One of the neat things about Daryl's story is it is such an incredible picture of each part of the body doing its job, each member of the body uh, working properly. It was a, a, an encounter on aisle 13 in a grocery store where a friendship began and where Jeremy just started sharing and teaching and pointing him to God and then an invitation to church and other people started getting in Daryl's life and God used each member of the body to make an impact in someone's life. This is what we're doing together. It's not about this elite few that are super spiritual, doing all the work while the rest of us just kind of cheer them on. No, it is a family effort, every single one of us bringing our contribution forward. Holy Spirit empowered people to do the ministry God has called us to do. Uh, maybe just thinking out loud, there's, there's some people in your life, people that God has placed on your heart, maybe two or three Maybe a neighbor, a coworker, someone in your life that's kind of like that person on aisle 13. And there's an opportunity there. Hey, I'll tell you what, we're, we're in a season just in the rhythm of our calendar that's an amazing opportunity to invite that person to church. People are reestablishing rhythms. The school year is starting back up. And then we're also having a grand opening at Cooper City High School next Sunday. So don't miss this Sunday as an opportunity to be inviting. Maybe write those people's names down right now. Start praying over them and set aside time to extend that invitation, a simple invitation that God can use to change someone's life. And so uh, just to wrap up our time, I do want to share one more story, another story of how God used people from our church to wrap their arms around someone and show what it means for us to be together, the body of Christ. Check this last video out. Angelica called me a day and she told me, you know, I have a, a friend, she's Brazilian. Her name is Rafaela. I would like to share her number with you so that we could call her to enjoy your community group in Portuguese. I think she would like it. I said, for sure, I'm gonna call her. And the first time that I was there and, I, and we start having a conversation and we, we pray and then we open and we watch a video and, and we start discussing and, and learning more about the gospel, the word. I felt super comfortable. They were very nice. They were very uh, welcoming and everybody in, in their different way. It, was, it made me feel like home. It, it really made me feel like I've known these people for so long, you know. So when I, I, I got pregnant with my second um, child, it was an accident. Um, I, I was not supposed to, to get pregnant. I was taking birth control. And when I found out that I was pregnant, I was four months throughout the pregnancy. And I have to admit that back then, I have no family here. My family lives in Brazil. And I travel 60 to 70% of my time for work. So it was already difficult. Um, raising my oldest, Joe Mateus, because I didn't have a lot of help here. So I 
at some point, I thought about going through an abortion. And I remember that I cry a lot. And I think it was the first time that I cried to God. And I pray and I ask Him. And I trust in His plans. So when the baby was born, three months later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember when they gave me the, the diagnosis, the doctor told me, you're very lucky that you had a baby. If it wasn't for this baby, you probably wouldn't make it because by the time you find out the cancer, it will be too late. Hearing that from a doctor, that's when I said, God, I surrender. You are in control of my life. There's no way you send me this angel and now you're just gonna take me away from him because it's not your way. And that's how my fight started. I did everything. I went through all the treatment and I got better for two years. Two years later, I, because I had a metastasis, a bone metastasis, um, so for two years I was okay. I was just taking some medications and it was everything under control. But after two years, I started to start showing some activity on bones in different parts of my body. And that's when things started to go out of control again. And that's when I, I was very desperate. And I remember crying to God and saying, God, please, I know you are in control. I don't understand what's going on and why I have to go through this. But I, I need help. When I joined the small group, I totally understood what he was doing. I had families traveling constantly from Brazil to be here with me throughout these years and throughout my treatments when I couldn't provide for my kids. And all of a sudden, the pandemic happened. They couldn't come. And I said, and now what? How am I going to make it? And that's when the small groups came in my life and it made a total difference. So to me, what is, what is the most unique thing and how much this group was important for me to go through what, I, what, I was, what I've been going through for the past year and a half, um, if I can just be as simple as possible in that answer will be, I don't think I would be able to make it without this group. This group, when I tell you that the prayers, the support, the, the Chris the, uh, the coming to my house and, and cooking for me when I couldn't cook or, or cooking for my kids when I was not able to cook for them. And not only that, like, but a, a support, like when I was not feeling well or when I was having so many questions and, and, and fear in my, in my mind, a simple prayer that will make me go through that day. Again, the beauty, the beauty of the groups that, in, specifically in Rafaela's case, so we thought that we were helping her, but actually it was the opposite. She was helping us. Uh, allowing us to be part of this ministry. It's not about us, and it's about the group, and it's about the unity and the connection that we have through Jesus' blood. And this is something that you can have this experience just when you, you are part of the group. 
So here's why we set aside a Sunday to share these stories and to share practical ways that you can take a further step into your church. It's because God wants to use each and every single one of us as a family to build each other up in love. He wants to use all of us. I love, uh, I love what was said in the video, uh, just the idea of we were trying to help her, but in so many ways she helped us. And here's the thing. There are people right here in our church, there are people in our city, and God wants to use you and your life to impact them. But then there may come the time in your life when you're in the area of need, when you feel down and discouraged and overwhelmed, where you get the incredible joy and privilege to be amazed and awed as the body of Christ wraps their arms around you and bears you up when you don't have strength to walk on your own. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here, this body built in love to live like Jesus here in our city. And so what I wanna do to close out our time, I wanna invite anybody here who hasn't put their trust in Jesus as their savior, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes right there. And in a moment of invitation, I wanna offer you to right now in this moment, respond to the good news of Jesus in faith. Romans chapter 10 verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so if that's you, if right now you're ready to receive Jesus, you, you could say this to God from your heart. You could say, God, today I believe. I believe that Jesus is my savior. I confess that he is my Lord. Jesus, you are in charge of my life. I receive the forgiveness that you gave me on the cross. And I believe in your resurrection from the dead. Jesus, help me to follow you with my life. And then Father, I pray for us as a church that we would embody this, that no one would be on the sidelines, but that each of us working together would build up the body of Christ here in South Florida in love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.